Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey guys, I'm so glad that you're choosing to worship with us this weekend. And I know that the online thing for some of you might be super enjoyable. Uh, some of you might be driving you nuts at this point. But I'm, I'm glad that you're staying plugged, within us, plugged in with us and that you're trying to grow in your walk with Jesus. And today we're going to be starting a new series that's called Unshakable. Uh, in just a minute, you're going to be hearing from our lead pastor, David Clark. Uh, you'll also be hearing from our executive pastor, Eric Henry, a little bit later on. Um, but when I think about this term, unshakable, first thing that came to my mind this week was actually my older sister, Nikki. And I'm not going to lie, she's probably going to hate that I'm saying this, because uh, a lot of you guys know her. She's a part of our Janesville campus. Uh, but my sister, she was pretty much my hero growing up. She had a huge influence on my own love for sports. Uh, she played basketball, volleyball, softball, and since she was older than me, I was always getting dragged around to watch her play some game somewhere. And Nikki had a, a tremendous high school basketball team. And they were actually 26-0 going into the state championship game during Nikki's junior year. And Nikki had been a starter since uh, her freshman year on the team. And my dad was a JV coach. He was a varsity assistant coach. So I was heavily invested in this team. I'd often even travel with them on the bus to games uh, to go watch them. And so they're in this state championship game against, actually against Janesville's next door neighbor, Milton. And the game is super close. And in the closing minutes, Nikki actually goes up to the line to shoot a couple free throws. Uh, and our team is only up a couple points. And I'm sitting there as like a fourth grade kid. And I'm thinking, man, no doubt I would miss these shots. No way I could handle this pressure. But I'm telling you, she stepped up to the line. She drilled those shots. With all the pressure of a state championship on the line, my big sister was unshakable. And it was awesome. But you know, had she had to do that many more times, there's no guarantee that she would have made every single shot. In fact, the only guarantee is that at some point, she would have missed a shot. She's probably going to say later on that that's not the case, but it is. We just aren't 100% unshakable. We're human. But in this series, we want to take our focus off of ourselves and we want to put it onto the character of our unshakable Jesus. He is all there really is in this world that's unshakable. Are you counting on him to get you through this life? Or are you counting on something that's more shakable? Here's David. The word of God alerts us to being shaken to the core of who we are. This is chapter 12, book of Hebrews. It says all creation. That means me. That means you. That means everybody. All creation will be shaken so that only unshakable things remain. Now, that's bad news. Everyone, you, me, everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, everyone gets shaken to the core of their being. But, but, but it sets up, it becomes a prelude to this incredible best news ever. Only unshakable things remain. You know, what I've found is this. 
If when you go through a difficult circumstance, when you've got a painful impossibility, if you're only holding on to things that can be shaken, you're going to be shaken. But if you're holding on to an unshakable God, you'll never be shaken. Get this. Go home um, with this. Go through your week with this truth. If you're only holding on to what can be shaken, then you'll be shaken. But if you're holding on to all that cannot be shaken, you'll be unshakable. Unshakable. I mean, everybody around you may be losing their minds, losing their patience, losing their joy, losing a grip. But you'll be more than steady. You'll be more than stable. You'll be unshakable because you're holding on to the only one who is unshakable, King Jesus. Look as the text goes on. Hebrews 12, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, kingdom has a king. Our unshakable King Jesus is the king of our king kingdom. He's the one that makes the kingdom unshakable. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let's be thankful and please God by worshiping him. That perspective changes everything. It gets your, not just refocused on your unshakable Jesus, but reattached to your unshakable Jesus so that when all around you is shaken, you're holding on to the unshakable Jesus and you remain unshakable. Now my, my grandma Ruby uh, understood what it meant to be shaken. Um, the Bible has a metaphor for these times in life when we are shaken to the core. The, the Bible calls them valleys. And you, you go through the low, dark valleys of life and you're just kind of stumbling and staggering your way through, losing your sense of direction. That's why you need to hold on to King Jesus to steady you. But, but my grandma Ruby understood about the dark valleys of life that can shake you up. She, she lived through the Great Depression and two world wars. She knew poverty firsthand and disease and the death of her husband. But my grandma Ruby held on to the unshakable Jesus. I want to show you a picture of her, head, of her headstone at her grave. Notice the banner above her name. It reads, the Lord is my shepherd. Now I say Psalm 23 um, every single day to myself. I just made throughout the, the day whisper to myself. I mean, life gets challenging. Life gets hard. And I just say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm at peace because the Lord is my shepherd. I have joy because the Lord is my shepherd. I have hope because the Lord is my shepherd. But here's how I'm learning to say it. In the midst of the valleys of life, the Lord is my unshakable shepherd. So I shall not be shaken. And remember how that psalm goes on? Um, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, where are you going to find a green pasture? On the mountaintop of life? I don't think so. I've been to the top of the mountain. Green pastures are in the in the valleys, at the low points. But it, this is a point that um, God, our unshakable Lord, gives us rest even in dark valleys. And then it goes on to say, he leads me beside still waters. Now, where do you find a, a gentle stream on a mountaintop? No, there's no streams there. 
You find the gentle stream in the valley. This is an indication that even in the dark, painful valleys of life, when our future is so uncertain, Jesus is providing everything we need. He's our unshakable shepherd. He restores our soul. He leads us along a path where everything is right. Decisions are made right. Behaviors are right. And then that text that's so famous, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for my unshakable God is with me. Um, I want to show you a picture. I mean, the valley of the shadow of death is a real place in Israel. I've had opportunities to see it a, a number of times, not from the bottom, but from the top. It's a very narrow canyon. I have a picture for you. In this narrow canyon, um, it, it, the walls are steep and hundreds of feet high so that as the sun rises and sets, it only has opportunity to shine into the shadow for a brief time around noon. All the rest of the day at the bottom of the canyon, if you're walking through it, you're walking through shadow. There's no life in this canyon. It is desolate. It only contains death. The valley of the shadow of death. Um, let me help you understand by taking you back 3,000 years. 3,000 years, 3,000 years ago, 33 nations united their armies against one nation, the nation of Israel, God's people. And they surrounded the capital city. They laid siege. It was going to be a bloodbath. It was going to be a massacre. 33 nations against one. Israel only had 7,000 soldiers. But God speaks to the king of Israel. He says, don't be afraid. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will give you a staggering, overwhelming victory against these forces arrayed against you. You just go out and fight. And so they did. They opened the gates. Those 7,000 soldiers charged into those 33 armies arrayed against them, and they won the victory. God gave them the victory against all odds. It was a God thing. He showed up and showed up just as he does in my life, against all odds, just as he does in your life. Well, one year later, those 33 nations united their armies again. And they said to themselves, hey, Israel's God is a God of the mountains, mountaintop God, but he's not a God of the valleys. So let's go back. We lost last year because we tried to fight on the mountains. Let's go back. We'll fight them in the valleys and we will defeat them soundly. So once again, they arrayed themselves around the capital city. Once again, God speaks to the heart of the king of Israel. And he says, you see that vast army out there again? They're saying, I'm just the God of the mountains. But I'm telling you, I'm the God of the valleys too. You go fight. I will fight with you. I will fight for you. And you will get the victory because I am with you. This is the way that you will know that I am the Lord and I am with you. And that's what happened. God went with them. God fought for them. And they won an overwhelming, history-changing victory over 33 armies arrayed against them. This is how our God works. It's, it's beyond belief. It's too good to be true, but it's too true to be denied. Our God is 
I mean, we feel him when we're on the mountaintops of life, when our marriage is on the mountaintop, or our finances are on the mountaintop, or we're on the mountaintop emotionally. But our God is God. He is unshakable God, even when, a, even when our emotions are in the valley, and even when our marriages are in a dark and difficult place, even when our parenting is is in the valley, even when our finances are bottomed out, God is the God of our valleys, and he will give us victory after victory after victory after victory. When we let him fight for us, when we trust him, when we keep holding on to this God who is unshakable. It's so easy for us to hold on to things that are shakable rather than unshakable. Now think about the stock market. Talk about shakable. Man, I hope you aren't letting your hope be dictated by the stock market. You're gonna find yourself with more ups and downs than a teenage kid hitting puberty. You never know when it's safe to talk to a kid going through changes like that. You might be yelled at for absolutely nothing, you know? In fear, we sometimes desire to go back to a shakable past because we don't know what the shakable future holds. At least in the past, while it was a shakable past, it was at least a known thing to us. So in that way, it wasn't quite as shakable. But it means that some of us are willing to put aside a hope that a future might give us if it could mean that we could go back to a past that we know we could at least survive, even, if, even though it wasn't perfect. We go back to abusive relationships because at least we know that we're taken care of in other ways uh, that we're worried we might not be taken care of now. We don't take the promotion in the city four states away because we know that we've got it pretty okay here where we're at. But who knows what, what that opportunity could have been in the long run. We never make the move to get healthier in our lives because the exercise and discipline it might require is too much for us to think about. So we continue to be okay with living in a way that doesn't fully break us, but we miss out on what God might have had for us because we're okay with what's normal. Living for what's normal is not a hope-filled kind of life. It's a life that's too scared to trust in the unshakable goodness of what God might just have in store for us. If you and I aren't holding on to God, everything else in comparison, it's shakable. And if we're going to find ourselves in, an, in a never-ending struggle, if we continue to do that, Moses had to deal with that very thing while he was in the desert with the Israelites and they were fleeing from Egypt for 40 long years. One day they sp sent spies into the land that they were supposed to take. It was supposed to be theirs. And then these reports came back that there were giants living in the land. They didn't see how they were ever going to be able to take the land. And so the people got desperate. And listen how, to how they complained to Moses in Numbers 14. Uh, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And you talk about shakable. <laughs> what in the world would drive any person to think that they were better off going back to the very place where they had been held captive in slavery. Why would anyone want to go back to that kind of normal? Here's something really good for us to hear from David right now. They said, wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? We want to go back to normal. 
Now, have you, over the course of the last few months, have you, have you heard anyone in your life say, hey, look, I can't wait to get back to normal? Have you caught yourself saying, can't wait to get back to normal? You know, I, I, I did some research in the Word of God this week, and from beginning to, to end, I could not find one occurrence of God saying to anybody he loved, hey, let's get back to normal. Uh, not Noah, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not Joseph, not Gideon, uh, not Peter, not the Apostle Paul, not even his own son Jesus. He didn't invite them to go back to normal. He invited them to push forward in faith and embrace the new future. It would be different. It would have new challenges. But it was his promised land. In fact, what these people all found was that their future was way better than the normal that they had left behind. Abraham became the father of our faith. Noah saved his family and saved the planet. Um, Joseph made a way for though things were intended for evil to turn out to good. Gideon saved the nation. Peter got to preach the first gospel sermon and saw thousands baptized. The apostle Paul, he didn't want to go back to normal. He stayed in a jail cell and wrote most of the New Testament. And Jesus said to his, one of his closest friends, Peter, Peter, put away your sword. Don't fight for me, man. If I wanted to go back to normal, I'd call down 10,000 angels. No, I'm going on. He was going on to a cross, and he was going on to a resurrection. He was going on to a victory for us. So one of the secrets of getting through a valley of shadow, the, the, the shadow of discouragement, the shadow of despair, the shadow of defeat, the, the shadow of death, is not to want to go back where you came from but to push forward in faith to the promised land that God has for you, the promised life, characterized by the promises of his word. So here's what I've learned about valleys by my study of scripture. One, they're temporary. Scripture says you'll go through. Notice that word emphasized, through the valley of the shadow of death and be unafraid. Why? Because you, God, are with me. So valleys are temporary. This too will pass. But the promises of God's word are eternal. And so we remind ourselves, we're not alone. Got a lot of bills, but I'm not alone. God is with me. Unemployed, but I'm not alone. God is with me. There's a virus, but I'm not alone. God is with me. I'll tell you what, Pastor David is one guy who finds joy in not looking to the past, but looking forward to what Jesus has in store for him today. That's what I love about him. Uh, he talks about how nowhere in the Bible does it talk about going back to normal. You know what the normal is for many of us a lot of time? Normal is trusting in my own capabilities. Normal is being content because of my circumstances. My finances look good and my relationships seem happy. But then also normal is also being thrown for a loop when I can't live up to my own hopes for my life or being distraught when my circumstances get difficult. Uh, my friend Eric went out uh, for a little personal retreat this week and he sent me a video about what God was speaking to him while he was out in the woods. And I wanted to share it with you right now because he talks about some real truth that I think really goes along with this message today. You know, a message of experiencing an unshakable God for ourselves in a way 
that takes us outside of what's normal. So let's take a listen. So I decided to come out uh, to the woods for a couple of days. I was walking around and I looked around and it's, you know, it's springtime, it's beautiful. All the, the leaves are just coming out. And I took a look at the, uh, at the green against the blue of the sky. I don't know, you can't, so you can't really see it. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to describe. And honestly, so I started thinking that, uh, oh man, I wanna take a picture. I wanna post it on Facebook. I wanna show everybody that, you know, life is good and whatever. But then I was thinking about how, you know, we, we always wanna take these experiences that we have and it's, it's just a time for me to get away, to be quiet, um, but we, I wanna take this experience and I kinda wanna bottle it and, and package it and, and send it out there for everybody else to, I don't know, to experience or be jealous of or whatever. But as I was looking at the, the green against the blue, um, just, it's so vivid when you're here. And I thought, there's no way to package it. There's no way to bottle it up. There's no way to make it um, something that you guys will experience that will affect you the way that it affected me. And I thought the same thing about church, about um, online church. Sometimes when I get out here, God speaks to me. And I think what he's saying to me today is that life is meant to be experienced and not packaged and bottled. Uh, it's, it's meant to be lived in the moment. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, we, we think of church as this thing that, um, that the church packages up for us. It's a service. We've got the music and the singing, and I know everybody's excited to get back to, to all of that. But, you know, maybe, it's, maybe this is just an opportunity for God to teach us that, that life with Jesus was meant to be experienced by us all day, every day, and not um, packaged for us um, by professionals. And so, you know, I know there's a there's a lot of talk about when are we going to get back together as a as a congregation? When are we going to gather? And I'm excited for that. I can't wait for it. But I I think maybe I wonder if God is is teaching us a lesson in all this. And the lesson um, might be that life is to be experienced. Life with Jesus is to be experienced. And I think so many so many of us we. Um, we rely on church programs to be our connection to Jesus, to be our relation to him. And, and with all of that stripped away or at least cut back or changed or what, however you want to describe it right now, I just, I think it's a perfect opportunity that God is giving us to say, don't, don't wait for somebody to package up church. Don't wait for somebody to take a picture of something beautiful. Don't let your experience of God be something that is, that's separated by, uh, and, and given to you by somebody else. Go and get him, run after him, find Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking a couple of days away and I'm just, I'm just looking for Jesus. I'm just looking to, to connect with him, to talk to him, to hear from him and to look at, at trees and the sky and to let him speak to my heart. And I wondered if, if that might be what God is asking of you during this quarantine, you know, during the time that you can't go to church and be with all your friends and have it all prepackaged for you. Maybe it's time to just get out there and live life and, and serve people and, um, and find God in the beauty and in the, in the scariness and in everything else. I really thought what Eric shared there fits so well with what David's talking about today. It's so easy for us to be just like the Israelites where when they were, they were complaining to Moses about wanting to go back to the, the very place where they were held in captivity. We want to go back to some old normal. And sometimes it's a normal that maybe wasn't all that great to begin with. You and I are meant to experience life to the fullest today. No matter what yesterday looked like, no matter what five years ago looked like, stop looking back. Uh, today, Jesus wants to experience a new walk with you. 
But if we're, all, if we're only looking back, we're never going to see the blessing and the growth that today, right now, that I think Jesus has in store for us. Maybe you've let your spiritual walk be dragged out by other people. Uh, maybe you've never really gotten personal with your relationship with Jesus. And maybe that's part of the reason that your faith just kind of seems so shakable. But we serve an unshakable God. The only way that you or I are, are ever going to find ourselves living out in unshakable faith is if we're experiencing this unshakable Jesus on our own day in and day out. Uh, where are you today? Are, are you living off of someone else's faith? Are you looking back, hoping to get back to some past normal that isn't even as good as what God maybe wants for you right now today? Let's make that decision today. Together, let's make that decision that we are going to hold on to this unshakable Jesus. Let's choose to make this our declaration. I'm not going to look back for some normal of the past. I'm going to look forward to knowing God and to experiencing Him in a way that that's more real and more alive than anything I've experienced in the past. See, I think this is where optimism begins to take off in our lives. When we look forward with excitement to what God is, is doing in our lives to, today and in the days ahead, and that we're not looking back to the past. I don't know about you, but what I want is I want better than normal. I want to be dependent on the never-ending goodness of God rather than on the things that normal people are normally dependent on. We're going to close this service by singing the song, Goodness of God. God's goodness is unshakable. His goodness is better than any kind of normal. Let's pray right now before we sing this song. Let's pray and ask Jesus to remind us of every moment throughout this week to remind us of his unshakable goodness so that we can experience this unshakable goodness in an altogether new kind of normal. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you so much that you've got something better in store for us than just the old normal of yesterday. God, teach us what this new normal looks like, to, to experience you every single day, to experience the unshakable, amazing goodness of God. God, help us not to just be content with what we've experienced in the past, but today, let us experience you new right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.